Hello, and welcome to this week's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith, and I am the manager of continuing professional education at the Next Sense Institute and the host of your podcast. Really great to have you with us. And I'm so delighted to have these three ladies with us. I try and chat to them as often as possible. And now I can bring you into the conversation. I've got Melissa Kane, Melissa Fanshaw, and Polly Goodwin with me today. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience, please? Melissa, we'll start with you. Hi, Trudy. Thanks very much for having us. It's good to be able to sit down and have a chat. Um, yes, my name is Melissa Kane, and I am a senior lecturer at Australian Catholic University in beautiful Brisbane. And I'm primarily teach inclusive education and creative arts education and research in those areas. Hi, my name is Melissa Fanshaw and I'm a senior lecturer in the School of Education at the University of Southern Queensland. Um, I'm also a trained teacher of students with vision impairment and I'm really excited to be here today. Hi Trudy, thanks so much. Um, it's Polly Goodwin and um, I've got a few hats. Um, for this project I'm research assistant to Melissa Kane. I also work at Vision Australia um, and my main passion is audio description. So I've been in the sight loss centre for um, sector for about 10 years I think. The reason I've got you all here today with me is to talk about the research project. You are the keynote address at the VizCon conference coming up and what I'm really interested in is Melissa Kane, how did this research come about? What's really interesting here, I think, is that Melissa Fanshaw and I have um, an interest in all topics to do with students with a vision impairment or blindness in main mainstream educational context, because we come at this for both as researchers, but also as parents. So we both have sons who were born blind and we've uh, followed their, obviously followed their course through. Um, but we've also been involved in some projects to do with the impact of COVID-19 on teaching and learning. And, you know, there was a flurry of research as, as soon as people got locked down, you know, everyone knew we needed to, to look at what the impacts were. But we don't see much on how it's affecting students with a vision impairment. And we approached uh, SPEVI, uh, South Pacific Educators of Vision Impairment, who were so very kind um, to allow us to apply for a grant. And it's that grant money that's helped us uh, investigate our current project. And also for them to spur us on to look at Pacific nations and even, you know, particularly those who haven't experienced COVID yet so that we can um, find ways of informing our future practice. Sounds like really useful information. Polly, why is this study so important? Well, I mean, as Melissa said, this pandemic has spawned a lot of research and, and part of our research was about conducting a literature review to draw findings from around the world together and start kind of picking out those commonalities and differences. But I think what we really wanted to do, what maybe makes this slightly different, is that we want to develop something that had a practical use for teachers of students who are blind or have low vision to enable them to get the best outcome for their students and for themselves in any period where normal learning's disrupted. And um, whilst this has been, this particular project has been driven by what people are calling a once in a lifetime pandemic, 
the reality is that we're going to face disruptions from a variety of sources. I mean, um, a couple of the people I spoke to in Vanuatu, the pandemic hit at the same time as Tropical Cyclone Harold. Um, unfortunately, we know that these catastrophic natural events are just going to keep coming at us. Um, so I think we really wanted to capture the, the learnings and the initiatives that have been developed and make sure that we can consolidate and replicate those so that we're not constantly starting from the beginning, but we can build on what we're learning and what's worked. Brilliant. Melissa Fanshaw, it just sounds like there are so many beneficiaries for this research. Oh, absolutely. It's the whole ecosystem around our students with blindness or low vision. So it's our students themselves, obviously, with the learnings that we'll have, but also their family and the teachers and the advisory teachers, um, like uh, managers in statewide vision services, policymakers, all of those people who are making decisions around students who have um, blindness or low vision. And like Paula said, one of the really big things is this is not just about, you know, the next medical pandemic. It can also be about any emergency management thing that arises for us, such as, um, you know, tsunamis or floods and also just a child who becomes sick and, you know, may not be at school or maybe in hospital. So there's a lot of things that this can work towards. And one of the really big things that we are trying to do is have a really practical outcome with a website, um, a place to go for people to be able to get this information. Sounds really useful. As with all research, sometimes you can find things that you weren't expecting to. Melissa Kane, were there any surprising findings in the research? Look, there really were. And that's what um, has really uh, just made us so keen to expand on this. Um, knowing previous research in, in other uh, projects that we've done, the predominant discourse on COVID-19 has really been about doom and gloom. But we found some positives for sure. And one of them was that students with a vision impairment, but particularly those with a comorbidity of autism, um, much prefer, some prefer to learn online and it was, and they flourished during this time. And also that many of our students with a vision impairment have really good, strong um, technology skills and they work with technology day in and day out. So this wasn't too much of a surprise for them. And we have a quote here from one of our participants and it says, I think the students who have relied on technology, that are good at technology, that they have their own technology, have fared really well. Students that aren't good at technology or don't have access to technology have not gone so well. And I might also add to that um, family support. So families were the new learning communities. And so students that did have the family support also fared well. Well, Melissa Fanshaw, were there any surprises for you in the research? Yes, and it, it sort of follows on from um, Melissa Kane in saying that um, one of the another one of the quotes was that COVID has shone a light on the disparities in equity access. So there was sort of the haves and the have-nots, which is something that um, you know may or may not have been aware of in the past. And that was the quote. And I think you know it's it's led people to realise that you know some people do have technology at home that they can use and that they're able to use some people do not some people have families who were able to support them during this time and others do not um, some people who have the relationship ability to work with other people and others who would prefer to just get their work done at home by themselves so there was a, a 
big disparity, um, I think, in people, which we all know individuals are so different and people with vision impairment, it's, you know, such a diverse group anyway. So I guess it wasn't surprising, but it was a, a really great thing to remember. Absolutely. Polly, were there any surprises for you? The thing that really stood out for me um, was the opportunity that the pandemic has given for collaboration between families and educators and kind of a real ill and how well we found out that how well families and educators work together to support a student really had a big impact on how that student fared, particularly when we're talking about a lockdown scenario. And it's interesting. Um, for many, many made a point of saying that this is the first time that they've actually been able to develop a relationship with a family. If you're someone supporting, whether you're an itinerant teacher or whether you're working with a child um, in a school setting, you don't tend to have that, you may not have had before that engagement with the family. And so because they've had to in this pandemic, that's been something that's been coming out as a really positive outcome and something really exciting. So it's not about replicating something that was already happening in a new way, but actually a whole new thing's happening. There's this whole new line of communication between families and between those supporting um, students from an educational perspective. Um, and families seem to have, have uh, really responded well to this and where they haven't, that's had a really big impact. And so um, one interviewee I remember talked about families as partners for learning going forward. And so for me, that's something which I'd, I'd love to continue throughout um, disasters, but also in kind of quote unquote normal times. Oh, so interesting. And as you say, it's, it's so great to hear that you're finding the silver linings. In, in all of this research, as you said, it's, it's been such doom and gloom. So it's really nice to hear there's been some nice outcomes that have come through COVID. Melissa Kane, what is the future for your research? What, what are the plans? Where are we going next? <laughs> yes. Well, look, this project is part of a, a wider project that looks at um, uh, education for students with vision impairment and blindness from early childhood through to university um, um, second post-secondary contexts. So it is, it's one arm of the big project. Um, the future of our project is to, uh, to write, uh, obviously, so journal articles, uh, resources for teachers to use. We're going to also get our website up and running, which will have all the information from all the projects, but particularly from this one, and uh, develop a community of practice. And um, during the session that we'll be running, we're really after feedback on what would be useful and um, who would use that information and how we can make it best available. Brilliant. Cannot wait to hear more from you at VizCon. As I said, on 19th and 20th of August, you are our keynote presentation. So if you haven't registered yet, now is your chance to hear more from these lovely ladies. So Melissa, Melissa and Polly, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Trudy. Thank you, Trudy. Thanks for having us. <laughs>